Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Craig Turnbull. As Hamel has said, I get to serve on staff at Harvest Oakville as the director of, or the pastor of discipleship ministries, which means I look after adult discipleship. I've been at that church for 12 years, which means that I have been a part of that church when there was a movement of the Lord to begin a planting a new work with Pastor Ted Duncan in Brampton. Oh, the ushers are looking at me like, are you going to say? Psalm 96, please, if you've got a Bible. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Sorry. New guy here, substitute teacher, forgive me. Just put those hands up. So I was there when, when, when we were blessed to be a part of the planting of Harvest Brampton. Um, and so have counted it an honor to call uh, many of your pastors as friends, including uh, Pastor Ted, Pastor Chris, uh, a, 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 very, very uh, special relationship, though, with one of, one of your pastors who's now planting a new church, Pastor Marvin. Uh, God allowed me to walk with him and, and be in his life and love him very dearly. Uh, that's how I, I know you guys as a church. Um, but as a family member in the body of Christ, I'll just say this. I am living proof that God can save the most vile man. I'm here because of the grace of God. I have nothing special. My credentials are nothing special except the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for me and the word of God, which we get to open now. So thank you for having me here today. My wife and my family will join me at the second service. So if you see the horde running around, you'll know they belong to me. Um, but if you've got a copy of God's word, would you join me? in Psalm 96 today. Here's what we're gonna talk about really briefly. We're gonna talk about worship, and then we're gonna talk about missions. You see the title for your service is On Earth As It Is In Heaven. Here's what I'm getting at today. The truth that we're going for today is this. The more that I worship, the more I will declare Christ to a lost and dying world. Let me put that in three words for you. Worship fuels missions. My heart for missions will only be moved when my heart is moved with worship. Before we get to the text today, Psalm 119 says this, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. So tell me honestly, before we begin, how many of us are burdened like that? How many of us are shedding streams of tears because of the lost around us. How many of us are begging God to save? Maybe even this morning, God, God, would you, would you please save my son? God, would you please save my daughter? Would you please save my husband, my, my wife? Some of us are praying like that. How many of us are praying, God, would you please save my neighbor? Would you please save my classmate, my coworker, the guy who spots me at the gym? God, would you save? Maybe a little less like that? God, would you please save my mayor? Would you please save the premier? Would you please save the prime minister? Maybe a little less along those lines. How excited are you to share people, share Jesus with other people around you? 
When you look at your life and look at the traction of your life, you came to Christ. Remember that moment when you came to Christ, some of us in our adulthood, and and you were so excited to share. You were so excited. you got to see what Jesus has done in my life. you got to understand what I understand. You've got to believe what I believe. Can you believe this is true? Some of us so excited to share, but then time passes and excitement begins to wane and struggles with my sin come in and excitement begins to wane the cares of the world come in and excitement begins to wane the pursuit of things that really don't matter in this life and really won't last beyond this one breath in life and excitement begins to wane concerns about others concerns about our health concerns about our possessions concerns about the culture concerns about the environment and excitement begins to wane I've got a little diagram up I'll pull up for you. Does this look like what your life looks like? You know, came to Christ so excited to share Jesus. And then time passes and not so much. And then at the end of your life, I've sat at enough bedsides to see this. At the end of your life, your life is so excited to share because time is short and you know that it matters. And excitement begins. Is that what your life looks like now? Do we want our lives to look like this right now. Remember the truth that we have here this morning, the exclusive truth that exclusively only those who know Jesus and have repented and trusted in him as their savior, only they can exclusively be saved. There is no other name. There is no other way. And yet I don't tell them. So I asked the question, maybe you asked the question too. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why am I not opening my mouth? Where has the urgency gone? I was on vacation one time in Florida and I was swimming out on the ocean and my brother-in-law was out there and he's waving his arms on the beach. And what's he telling me? He's, telling me that there's a fin nearby. Come on in. You would do that for someone, wouldn't you? You'd do that for a complete stranger. A shark's in the water. We can't even think of not doing that to someone in danger. And yet we have a truth that leads people away from destruction to salvation. And where has the urgency gone? I'll tell you where it's gone. It's gone into the world. It's gone into my lawn. It's gone into the car repairs. It's gone into my work. It's gone into my family. It's gone into my health. It's gone into my stuff and my entertainment and my crisis. It's gone into my things and my time. It's gone into weddings. It's gone into graduations. It's gone into dentist appointments and grocery shoppings and season finales and playoffs and my social media blowing up. The cares of the world. Listen, not all bad but distracting, disorienting, diverting, misleading. Could it be that the world and its concerns have dulled us to the urgency of sharing Christ? Could it be that the world and its concerns has made us forget that without Christ, people will perish? Could it be that the world and its concerns have convinced us that there's nothing more important than today, right now, and eating and drinking and living life to the fullest? Could it be that the world... And its concerns have disoriented us to thinking that this life, this brief life is all that there is. 
if you're in that place of feeling that conviction this morning, and, and I feel it too with you as, as your guest, conviction, not condemnation. If you're in a place of feeling that this morning, you might be asking the next question, which is, okay, so how do I change? How do I stir up a greater desire for missions in my life? Listen, we have worshipped our way into this place. And to the way back is worship as well. Psalm 96, finally we're getting to the text, has some answers for us this morning. And again, the point of today's message is that worship fuels missions. When my heart for missions is moved, my heart for worship is moved as a result. I need to capture a grand view of an awesome God, far greater than the things of the world, and then to open my mouth and to declare who this great God is, that the kingdom of God and the glory of God and the will of God on earth be as it is in heaven. May it be so, Lord. Okay, how do we get there? How do we worship our way back to the right place? What do we need to do? God's word, again, has the answer. Psalm 96, verse 1 says this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Let's pause there in the middle of the psalm. And I'll ask you this, Bible student, student of God's word, your eye is still on the text. What word do you see and did you hear repeated three times? What were the words? Sing, sing. And that's the first point. If worship fuels evangelism, if worship fuels missions, then one of the ways that I can fan this into flames is this, point number one, sing it. Sing it. One of the most repeated commands in all of Scripture, did you know this, is to sing. It's one of the most repeated commands in Scripture, to sing to the Lord. There's just something about singing, isn't there? There's just something about singing. Now listen, I am the absolute worst singer I have ever met. Like the worst. I feel bad if you stand next to me in church. I feel bad for my family who have to listen to it. I feel I'm the worst singer I know, but even I love to sing. God calls his people to sing, to engage their minds, right? That's what singing does, to engage their bodies, right? Swaying, some of us clapping, even some of us from, from, from different backgrounds, sometimes occasionally looking over our shoulder and minds, our bodies and our hearts engaged in singing an expression to him. Did you know this? That singing fuels missions. Can you believe that? The more you sing, the more you will want to share Christ. That's the truth. That seems strange, doesn't it? The more I sing about Christ, the more I will want to share Christ. Hey, listen, if you're in a spiritual funk today, if you want to see missions grow in your life today, your first step is to sing. You say, okay, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a textual scholar here, and 
That word sing actually means to live a life of delight. And I can sing with my heart without my mouth opening. Don't you know that? I can sing pumping the gas without ever saying a word. Nope, 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 nope. That's not what that word means. That word means sing like with your mouth to a tune out loud so people can hear. And guess what? Here's the good news. God doesn't care if you have a bad voice, okay? Can I remind you that God is surrounded by angels that sing to him all day long. And compared to the cherubim and the seraphim who sing to him all day long, every single one of us, I don't care how talented you are, every single one of us compared to them sounds like a screeching cat. God doesn't care what your voice sounds like. He doesn't care that your pitch is off. He doesn't care about your octave range. He just wants you to sing it. But listen, he, he does care what you sing about. Look again at verses 1 through 6. Verse 1 says, sing to him a new song. New words expressing old truths. New words because God is always doing something. Here's the biblical foundation for new songs being introduced to your church. Right there. New songs, same old truths. I'm sure you love the old songs like I love the old songs, but new songs, new songs expressed to God are often what God requires and wants. New songs saying the same old truths. How special is it, can I ask you, if you said the same thing to the person you love all day long, the same thing, every day, wake up the same thing. Let me put it this way. I've been married for 20 years now. What if 21 years ago, as a young man, about... 20 years old, I said, you know what, I've got a great idea. I'm getting married to Catherine, so excited about that. I expect many, many long years of happiness coming my way. And there is a sale at the greeting card store today. I'm so excited. I'm a frugal man. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the greeting card store and find the anniversary cards. And I'm going to take 40 of, of the same kind of anniversary card. Because 40, and I mean 40 is maybe 50, I'll take 50 because I'm expecting a long life with her together. 50 years God giving us. And I'm going to set those 40, 50 cards down and I'm going to write in every single one of those cards, Dear Catherine, you are my beloved Craig. Happy anniversary. Close it up, seal it, and mark the date. And every year I walk up to Catherine and go, hey honey, here's your card. And she opens it up every year. And reads the same thing. Is that special? Is she going to say, oh, what a good husband. Such thoughtfulness. I love you, honey. No. Come on. Same truth, same heart, different words. Sing it. Sing it. God says more about content. Verse 2. Sing of his salvation. The songs we're called to be singing are singing of the glory of God in the work of Jesus Christ. The content of our songs is about what Jesus has done in our lives to save us. To personally declare, to personalize the songs that you're singing to the glory of God in your life. That Jesus has saved you. That Jesus has ransomed you. That Jesus has forgiven you. That Jesus has washed clean your sins. That Jesus has welcomed you into the family of God. That Jesus gave his life for you. That Jesus loves you. Joe Thorne, he, he's a pastor, he put it this way. People sing about the things that capture their hearts and the things that give them joy. 
People sing of heroes and victory and longings and hope. People even sing as a way to express their sorrow. And now this quote, does anyone have more reasons to sing than you? As a sinner who's been forgiven, a slave who's been freed, a blind man who's received sight, a spiritual cripple who's been healed, all by the gospel, you have real reasons to be known as a person of song. Sing of the glory of God in the work of Jesus Christ. Sing it. Sing a new song that tells of his salvation. Now look at verse 4. It says, great is the Lord. We're also to sing of the greatness of our God. His splendor, his majesty, his beauty, his power, says verse 6. Sing the truth that while this world is filled with nothing gods, with nobody powers, our God is the God who actually spoke the heavens into existence. We worship the one true God. And so we sing it. And what happens when we sing? We gear our hearts to that place of truth. You ever, you ever wonder why church often begins with singing? It's to do that, to get our hearts in the place. We don't begin our, our church service or, or, or your church service with singing just to, you know, to entertain you, just to, just to give you some snappy songs, to get you moving, get your blood flowing, to give you some epic vocal moments or some slamming guitar solos. Uh, we don't give you worship at the beginning for something that you can miss so you can catch the sermon. Oh, we give you worship to get your hearts in the right place to hear the gospel, to respond, to draw your heart to the truth of who God is and what he's done for you. Okay, now watch this. God calls the psalmist to song. God calls us to sing. But now look what happens. Look at verse 3. Look what comes in. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all people. He calls us now to speak of who he is. What's being, saying, what's being said here is this. It's, it's fascinating. When you and I are singing it, we will see him more clearly and when we see him more clearly, we will worship him more urgently. And when we worship, it, worship him more urgently, we'll declare him more freely. You see how that happens? You sing it, you believe it, you worship him, and then you respond in obedience to share Jesus Christ. And why is this urgent? Verse 5 says again, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. It's urgent because all the other gods, all the other ways in this life are worthless ways. There's no other gods. There's nobody's. My God is the God who proves himself by his works. And then we turn and we say, you must hear of my God. You must hear of what he's done in my life. You must see what he's done in my life. You must know him too. And with hearts filled with worship, we declare him. And this all begins by singing it. You want to grow in missions this morning? You start singing it. Start singing it out loud. Start singing new songs that tell of his glory and his wondrous works. Now, wouldn't it be awesome right now if we just say, okay, pause. Okay, I'm going to go sit down. And then the worship team's going to come back up. And they're going to lead us into a new song that tells of his glory. And we can get our hearts in the place of work. Wouldn't that be awesome if I can do that right now? I just go sit down, wouldn't it? I can't do that right now because I'm the guest. 
if it, was, if it was my church, I would say, okay, worship team, what you got? What's new? Let's lead us. There's just something about worship that stirs. There's just something about singing it that stirs. Worship to God fuels missions to others. And the more you sing, the more you will declare. But that's not it. Let's go on. Point number two. Point number two is this. Bring it. I've given you singing it, and now I'm giving you bring it. More fuel for worship, verse 7 to 10, which leads to more declaring his grace to the world. Again, worship fueling missions. Look at verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Okay, what word did you see there three times? What was it? Ascribe? Do you guys talk here in this church? Do you have conversations between the past? I'm sorry, I don't mean to un un unsettle you. I won't do that again, I promise. Uh, ascribe, some of you saw it. Ascribe! Okay, I looked that up because I don't use the word ascribe. Do you use the word ascribe in your normal daily language? I don't use that. I had to look it up in the dictionary and I checked it with the translation here. Do you know what ascribe means? It means bring it. It means bring it. Bring it to the Lord, O families of the earth. Bring it to the Lord, glory and strength. Bring it to the Lord, the glory due his name. Bring an offering and bring it into his courts. That's what he's saying here. And that verse reminds me of another one of my friends from your church who went out to plant Pastor Ray in Ottawa. Okay, how many of you know Pastor Ray, okay? When you pray with Pastor Ray and you're talking to God with Pastor Ray, you will hear Ray go, bring it. I just love that about Ray. Bring it. What's he saying? He's saying, describe it. Come on, brother. Declare to God who he is and what he has done. Ascribing is bringing back to God who he has already told, him, told us to be. This is who I am. That's who you are, God. You've received the truth. You've considered the truth. And now you're bringing it back to him. This is worship with my heart and worship with my mind and worship with my voice that speaks to the greatness of God. Which is one of the ways, by the way, in life that you can't overdo. You can never, ever, ever overdo it. Have you ever thought this? You can never, ever overdo it about talking to God about how great he is. You can overdo it about talking to somebody about how great they are. You can overdo it about talking to somebody about how great the, the taco meal is that sits in front of you. And at some point, people are going to go, okay, that's enough about the tacos. They're good enough. Eat them. But you can never, you can never, church, you can never, ever overdo it in talking about the greatness and the goodness of our God. You will never exhaust that. There will always be some new thing to praise him for. There will always be something that's new to you and you can declare to him. You can't overdo it when it comes to declaring the glory of God. And that's the content of our ascribing. That's what we're called to bring it. Look again at verses 7 through 10. Look at what we're supposed to bring to God. We're supposed to bring him the glory and strength, verse 7. In verse 8, the glory do his name. Let's take strength first. Our God is omnipotent. Our God can do anything at any time, in any way he chooses, with anyone he chooses. Nothing 
and no one stops God when he wants to move. The God who created the heavens and the earth with the word of his mouth and who holds us together with the word of his mouth, this God can do anything at any time. We can't even begin to understand the power of this God. And what's more, verse 7 and 8 testify to his glory. He's not only inconceivably strong, he's also inconceivably glorious. That word speaks to his radiance and his majesty. And we bring that to God and we say, God, that's who you are. You are this God. You are glorious. You are omnipotent. Look at verse 9. The splendor of his holiness. Literally, the magnificence of his moral purity. God, you are without spot or blemish. God, there is no sin. There is no wrongdoing in you at all. You are pure. You are spotless. There are no sinful motives with God. He will never lie. He will never cheat. He will never steal. He does not bear grudges. He will never cease to be kind. He will never cease to be patient. He will never lose his temper. He'll never go off on you like you go off on your kids. There is no sin in God. He's pure. And we ascribe it to him. This too is who you are, God. And then verse 10, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. This is the awesome, unlimited rule of our God. There is nothing beyond his reach. There are no other rulers. All the other authorities belong to you. All the other authorities, all the kings answer to you. All the presidents report to you. They would have no authority at all except that you gave it to them. They could sit on a velvet chair in Ottawa. But you, God, sit in a crystal throne in heaven. There is no authority higher than you. You reign. And we bring it to him. This is who you are, God. This is who you are. And the picture that we're left with is, is an understanding of God who is this. He's all-powerful. A God who can do anything. He's all-glorious. A God who is pure, like nothing and no one else. And a God who reigns over everything. Let's leave that up there. But notice this. This God who calls us to bring this to him, what happens in verse 10? Look at the text. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. What's that? That's worship fueling missions. This is what we're called to bring. But, but what if what we're bringing to God is a little bit less. What if what we believe God to be and view God to be is a lot less than what he describes himself to be in his word? What if instead of, of declaring to God is all-powerful, all of a sudden he's semi-powerful? And living my day-to-day -day life, I actually don't believe that God can do what he promises he can do. I actually believe that this situation is helpless. I actually believe that there's no way out. I actually believe that, that he is powerless to accomplish. And I live my life with this limited power, God. Am I going to want to share this, God? Hey, what's different about you, Craig? Hey, you got to meet my God. Sometimes he helps in trial. Sometimes. Are you going to want to declare that? What about, what about a God who's all glorious? You, you got to meet my God who, who's, who's pretty flashy. Sometimes it's pretty amazing. At church, Sunday morning is pretty amazing. Uh, not all the time. 
You're going to want to declare a God like that? What about a God who's semi-pure, not quite awesome? My God, sometimes, sometimes he does things wrong. My life right now isn't the way it's supposed to be. This is not the plan. It's not, not, my, not what I want. Sometimes God does wrong. You're going to want to declare God like that? How about a God who's, who, 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 who's like some things? You know, my God is amazing and awesome and excellent. But you know what else is amazing and awesome and excellent? The, the weather, man. Amazing weather. Are you going to want to declare God like that? God who's like some things, a God who rules over some things but not all things. You see what happens is the concerns of the world begin to creep in. Fear begins to creep in and control me. Anxiety, despair, trouble. And I begin to see him wrong. I begin to put on the glasses of the world. And through the foggy glasses of the world, I can't really quite read God. Instead of understanding and viewing God as he's revealed himself in his word, I'm reading him through my situations. I'm reading him through my emotions. I'm reading him through the way I feel about things or others around me. And then all of a sudden, I'm not really going to declare God. I'm not going to really want to do this. Maybe something else catches my eye. I'm distracted. I'm enthralled by TV sports or purchases. And they become amazing to me. And now I ascribe a God who's kind of a little bit less than the Toronto Raptor championship run. I mean, God's great, but wow, how about those Raptors? I joke. It's okay to cheer for the Raptors. But what happens is the things of the world become more glorious to us. God becomes less glorious. And then all of a sudden, the worship that's supposed to be coming out of my mouth and declaring to others stops. And why would it come? Because there are things that enchant me more. Why would I declare a God like this? But when we begin to read and frame our heads in the way that God has revealed himself to be, you begin to think rightly about who God is, then you bring it to God. And the more you ascribe to God who he is, and you see him for as he really is, the more you will declare. And that's worship-fueling missions. But there's a third point I want to give you before I leave you today. I'm giving you sing it, I'm giving you bring it, and the third point is, is ring it. Yes, that's right. The outline is sing it, bring it, ring it. <laughs> I'm having a little fun with it today. Uh, I'll explain it in a second. Look at verse 11. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord comes. For he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in faithfulness and the people, or in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Now let me explain this last point to you. What do I mean by ring it? Well, worship again, fueling missions. And my heart for the lost is only going to be moved when my heart is moved in worship to this great God. And we fuel our worship to God by singing to God and by ascribing worth to who our God is. But now finally, finally this, by rejoicing in the coming of the Lord. So that's what I mean by ring, ring, okay? Ring it, meaning ring, 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 here he comes. Ring, 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 who's that at the door? Ring, ring, oh, it's Jesus coming. Do you get it? Ring it. He's coming. He's coming. 
The text in this last section of the psalm is looking ahead. There's no denying this. The psalmist is looking into the future. All of the words that we're reading here line up to give us a scene of the days ahead. That makes sense, right? When we read in verse 11 of the earth rejoicing and the sea roaring, in verse 12, the fields exalting and the trees of the forest singing for joy, we know that that's not what the world looks like right now. The world looks like anything but rejoicing and, and trees exalting. That's not what our world looks like. Romans 8, in fact, tells us it's very, very different. Creation isn't cheering, says Romans 8. Creation is, is, is groaning. Romans 8 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, listen, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And then he says this, Paul does in, in Romans 8, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Have you ever sat at the bedside of, of someone in childbirth? Maybe your wife? Would you ever have the nerve to bend down and say, are you rejoicing right now? Ah! I mean, you get a, a fist pretty quick, right? You know, there's a groaning that leads to a great rejoicing. A moment that will come that is so much better. That's what creation's under right now. It's groaning. So, but, but, but the Psalm 96, we read in verse 13, that it's groaning, it, 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 or it's cheering right now. Why is it cheering? Look at verse 13. Before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and all the people in faithfulness. What moves the Lord, what moves creation to cheer? The Lord is coming. That's what's moving them to cheer. The Lord is coming. Ring, ring. Here he comes. And this causes creation to rejoice, and it causes joy in the psalmist. And now in us, in anticipation of that great day, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Listen, listen, make no mistake. The message of this psalm that you're looking at right now is that it will end with a triumphant hope that the Lord is coming. And make no mistake that the message of this book that you hold in your hands, the end message of this book is that the Lord is coming. It's not over. The story's still being written. And it's going to end. And it's not, you're not going to miss it when it ends. Because the Lord is coming. And that's the great hope for the believer in Jesus Christ, is it not? That Jesus is coming. Ring, ring. But notice, there's joy in his coming, even despite something. Look at verse 13. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness. You get that? That's joy because of judgment. Joy because of judgment. Why joy in this? Two reasons, really quickly. Two reasons for joy in the judgment. The first is this. All of the wrongs are going to be made right. All of the injustices will be corrected. 
all of the murders, all of the rapes, all of the innocent one killed, all of the little ones killed. Revelation 6, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge their blood on those who dwell on the earth? And the answer that comes back in Revelation 6 is not long. Just a little bit longer. But make no mistake. Judgment is coming. There's joy in the judgment because of that. Because all the wrongs will be made right. But there's a second reason for joy in the judgment. And it's this. Because when Jesus comes and he judges, I will not be judged. I have been found saved in Jesus Christ. And though I have wronged him, and though I continually wrong him, though I have never met, honestly and truly, someone more sinful than me, I have given my life to Jesus, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I am not clothed in my worthless rags now. I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that will separate me from his love. I am not condemned. Because Jesus Christ has died for me. There's reason for joy in the judgment, isn't there? But what about for those who haven't heard? What about for those who haven't believed? Revelation gives us an indication. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. And that's the last piece. As we understand the nearness of the coming of the Lord, this moves us to mission. Time is short. And it's getting shorter. Can I, I don't know if I'll pull this last slide up. Oakville, 211,000 souls. Burlington, where I live, 205,000. Milton, 110,000. Hamilton, 579,000. Mississauga, 830,000. Toronto, 2.9 million. That's about 5 million people within driving distance. You know somebody who lives in that area who doesn't know Jesus? 
what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to five million people? Time is short. Treasure is too great. The cost of doing nothing is too tragic. I ask my own heart, as I ask you, isn't it time? I put that up not to condemn you. I put that up to convict us. And if you're in the place where I am today, saying, yes, God, things have to change. My mouth needs to open. How do I get to that place? Psalm 96 lays it out for us. You're not in that place today? You want to get in that place today of being bolder? Praying for the Lord to move in your life. Grow your heart to sing it. Bring it and ring it because the day is drawing near. Listen, we have worshipped our way away from the urgency. And the only way back is worship in the right direction. Let me lead us in prayer. Lord, we recognize this morning that this is a worship issue. Either you, Jesus, are a treasure or you're not. Either you, Jesus, are worth it or you're not. Either this life is short or it's not. Lord, I pray for my, my friends here, for grace for them. As they carry the right weight of conviction, Lord, I pray that you would draw their hearts to you. The only way we can make a change in our lives, Lord, is by you and your grace, your spirit moving in us. So we pray, Lord, we plead, we ask God, please would you change? Please would you stir us? Please would you move us? Please would you help us to speak of the riches of the glory of Jesus Christ. Please would you use us in our communities. Would you use us in our workplaces. Would you use this church, Lord, to be a light into its community. Would you use this place. Would you use us, Lord, to speak and to reach. Give us hearts for this, Lord. And as we lean into the truth this morning, Lord, would you make us people, men and women, who love to sing of the glory of Jesus Christ. Would you make us a people here, men and women, who love to declare the worth of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the while savoring the fact and understanding the reality that time is so short and you are coming soon. God, change us, please. Only you can do this. Only you can move the heart. Only you can stir the heart. Only you can correct the heart. We pray, Lord, even right now, even as we close our service together, God, that you would be leading us in songs. And I pray, God, that there is a, a renewed zeal, even this morning, to sing to you, to declare to you who you are, that you would fill our hearts with worship even now. Lead us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.